everyone. Welcome to Armchair Authentic, a podcast with Rhett and Justin designed to bring you real conversations about real life with real people. And today I am really excited because we're jumping into a conversation here in a few minutes that I had with Justin a few weeks ago. And it, it was a conversation that kind of turned into a little bit of interview uh, about your life, Justin. And before we get to it, do you have any thoughts that you want to add? Yeah, I mean, we talked about our podcast being something that not only do we dialogue back and forth, but we get interviews and we get to know people. I love to hear stories. And we thought, what better way than to start it getting to hear from each other? And we're, we're starting this with me. And I found it really challenging because I had to take the past 30 years of being surrendered to Christ, but really even 38 years of our friendship and some of the questions that you were asking me, it was like having to take a deep dive and I found it fascinating actually to listen back to and mean you have been prepping this. So I'm, I'm really excited about just taking our time and getting this out there. And what I'm excited about after is I get to turn the tables on you. Wow, great. And get yeah. to hear some of your stories. Um, so yeah, I think this is really setting everything up well, getting to know us a little bit more. But I think more than anything, we hope that it turns into something that you can look at your own life. We're kind of taking the plane from a 35,000-foot view a little bit more toward a 15,000-foot view, and this is going to be ongoing through all our conversations, even not just with you and I, but even with our guests that we bring on and kind of interview and kind of just make it a part of our life. So we're just trying to do our best to just be vulnerable, authentic, real with our journey, and I had a great time just getting a chance to even listen to some of the things that you were sharing and dive in and kind of learning some new things that I didn't even really recognize or know completely until we kind of got into this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So however you found us, we're really excited that you're along for the journey. Um, So get ready. Buckle up, Buttercup. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, You know, this is uh, part one of an interview conversation I had with my best friend for 38 years. My primary ministry is on staff at Church of the Highlands. And what my role is, is I oversee our pastoral care. And we're a really large church, so there's many, many, many campuses. I hate to say a number because it's always changing, but at this time, it's kind of in that 25 campus number. And really, my responsibility is making sure um, that our staff have the tools and resources they need as they're really taking care of their specific congregation at the different campuses, And, and really also a function of our staff. You know, people you know, people need a safe place, right? People yeah. need a place to just be able to open up and hang out and just come and really just talk. Mm-hmm. And so I find that my space creates a great living room setting for something like that. So yeah, I've been at uh, Church of the Highlands for me and my wife, I mean, since it started back in February of 2001. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, we've given uh, so much of our life out of a passion for, it's the local church that we love. If I'm listening, I'm like, how in the world do you get to that? Because was that, oh man, I, I, you know, got in good on the beginning. And of course you're doing that now because I mean, like, what was the pro, that's a process. You just don't start out there and jump into pastoral care, you know, such a organization. And let's be real. Like it's a, it's, God is unique thumbprint on every church. Yes. And I cannot speak from the perspective of I've been on I've been on staff at Church of the Highlands. Some yep. people know this, some people don't. But from 2010, we moved and we yep. came here. And then, you know, through part-time staff to full-time staff, 
you know, that was a part of my life and my journey. So I've been a part of on staff there and seen a part of your journey. Yep. And then God called me to other things, which is a part of my story. We're not interviewing me here, but I am letting people know that I've been a part of this organization. So, That's right. and, and it's very unique. It's a unique thumbprint and it should be. Every church should be absolutely beautiful right. and look completely different than each other, right? And I yeah. love that. So, but for the unique thumbprint that is Highlands and the unique thumbprint on your life and your wife's life and your kids and all of that, like how how did you get to the place where you're doing what you're doing now? And I know that's a long that you could start deep ten years ago or, or however, yeah, but like right. if you were to unveil it and unwrap it by layer backwards, like what 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 did that look like for you? You know, keeping up with what we were saying earlier. And I hope you can, the listener can take, knowing what I'm going to say, there's so much depth that we're going to get into over the course of episodes that are going to go hopefully for a long time. But if I could go back and tell like younger Justin something, yeah, I would go to him and say, hey, because I know how I felt as a kid. I know that I felt less than I really did. I didn't feel like I was very knowledgeable in things. And, and and that gets into episode one, and we talked about our house. Broken life, really growing up, broken family, latchkey kids, both of us. I would go to young Justin and say, hey, you just swung that bat and you missed it. Stop just running around swinging a bat, acting like you meant to miss that. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Try it again and swing the bat. And even if you miss it, try it again because yeah. you're getting better. It was like me coaching my youngest son last night at top golf okay he couldn't hit the ball for anything but after an hour yeah he started making contact and i love that he didn't give up and become too cool for school like i would have been Hmm. and what i would tell people listening is give yourself that grace to develop into something and don't try to be the final product because you'll end up missing the beautiful process that God has for you. That's good. But be able to step in to your situation fully and uniquely who you are and grow according to the way. But it's so important to be embracing yourself along mm-hmm. the way. That is my story, Rhett, because really what even got me there is we had just stepped out of a church that we were the poster children for. Yeah. And for the first seven years of my surrendered life to Christ, where I cut my teeth on ministry, and we just knew we were supposed to go, and we knew we were supposed to land in a local church. I remember kind of stepping out. And once I stepped out, I started realizing, I guess once you let turn the noise down, mm-hmm. wow, I'm I'm dealing with some bitterness and frustration. What in the world is this? Well, it's, it's because I finally stopped after seven years yeah. to just step into something uh, new and give myself a new space. And and I actually remember... Because you stepped out of a comfort zone of a home church that you and I grew up in together, gave our hearts to Christ in, yes. began to take next steps in. Yes. And it was like we... You know, we were very comfortable within that environment, and yeah, there was really no so reason for us to take a step out. You know, in my mind, because no. I mean, not knowing what we didn't no. know, we didn't know what we didn't. We only knew what we knew, right? And so we were very comfortable. We were in a very place where, where we still loved and were in great friendship with the pastors there right. today. But you felt, and God, even in that season of comfort, called you out. And yeah, you took a step, and it was the place that if you would have asked us before, yeah. I was going to be spending my life there. Yeah. My dream. Yeah. Once again, I was a volunteer for seven years. My dream was to be full time 
mm-hmm. there. And all of a sudden, we were just feeling our spirit, like we're supposed to go. And I know this might sound foreign to some people, because I remember I used to actually, when I would teach or do something, I would tell people, you don't go unless you've been called into something. <laughs> And I realized in that moment, it just doesn't always work that way. Yeah, You get called out sometimes, and there's a faith step of, mm-hmm. here's the directive I knew, Rhett. I knew I'm not going to step out and not have a place. Yeah. I knew that we're stepping out, and we the local church to us is everything. We're yeah. going to find a local church. We had just gotten married, didn't know what we were doing, and it was quite the experience. But once we stepped out, yeah. beautiful place we came from, yeah, I mean, amazing. like you said, we're gonna go. We're gonna we're go have lunch. some lunch. Let's go uh, with our our former pastor, and I'm, I love it. So I love that relationships still thrive. When we stepped into this new season, there was some of this undealt toxicity, bitterness that I hadn't dealt with within myself. I guess because we were always on a platform or a stage, you never had yeah. a moment to come down. And when I finally did, I realized, man, I'm kind of frustrated. That's really good, and. I remember me and you always went and performed uh, concerts, led worship, whatever it is. Yeah. And I would lead worship for this guy, and we'd have these great experiences together. Well, it just so happened that he knew uh, the pastor who was going to be moving to Birmingham to plant a church, Chris Hodges. Yeah. And it's funny because in the year 2000, in the fall, I get a call from this guy because he knew I have music. He knew I had influence in the music community. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, this guy's moving to Birmingham. Would you like to be a part of helping him get the like the music stuff up, yeah. up, up and launched. And you ready. had already taken the step of transition from that local church. Oh, we were already God for, Right. So this was, you were, you totally. were in the process of finding a, 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 the next home, if you will, for the next season of your life and your wife's life. Yes. And your kid, you know, kids not at that time. Obviously, right. It was just but, me in summer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you would have thought, yeah, you would have thought this is the most teed up moment. Wow. Yeah. Look at God. Yeah. And he asked me, and because I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with, I, I, I remember getting a call from him and I said, Hey man, not interested at oh, all. Oh yeah. Uh, from Chris? <laughs> well, no, it was, oh. it was from a guy named Darren. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know. Okay. You know, I call him PC. Yeah. I didn't know, uh, PC then I knew this guy named Darren and Darren called and asked me. And I just remember thinking, I know, I said, <laughs> I'll try to help you find some people, but yeah. I don't have a desire to do that because I realized I'm not ready to jump back in. Mm. And what's so cool about that, God's just so gracious. We visited every church. I mean, I'm probably, you yeah. know, full disclosure, armchair authentic, right? Yeah. I'm I'm walking into all these local churches mm-hmm. a bit jaded. I mean, they would tell us to do a meet and greet, and my spirit was just like, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> like, what, what, what is? And, and I found yeah. myself picking apart things. The good part of this was I was getting to see, and it's all imperfect. Yeah. But I was getting to see a bit of the plastic that we do operate mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and um, and how hard it can be to come in and realize that we're just. We're re- real people, and the guy on the stage is a real person. I hadn't got to really experience a yeah. full slate of that on my different experiences. So, let's, you know, so much to unpack. We're here because I'm, I'm asking, you know, we talked about what you're doing now pastoral care, Church of the Highlands, one of the largest churches in America, right? And you have the opportunity to do that. And what we're doing is saying, okay, hey, what has given you the moral authority to even be able to speak on leadership and stuff? And we're, we're peeling back the layers and we're going back to the Justin that 
grew up in a home church. God did a lot of work in his life, got married, and then not knowing what was next, God calling you into a new season. And what's interesting to me that's standing out in this, and we've talked a lot, but I don't think we've ever dialed into this, is that you took a step out of comfort into an uncomfortable situation, knowing that God is calling you to a season of maybe desert place, trying to, you know, out of your comfort zone. You're you're not on the platform anymore, but you're going, you're experiencing these different churches, but God's doing a work in you in the desert place if in this season of your life, right? That's I right. mean, That's right. you know, there there are obviously looking back other deserts and storms that are different that layer at different levels. Oh yeah. But for this moment in this season <laughs> of life, this is a big deal for you. And you're in your wife and you're trying to find home. What I'm hearing you say is God began to do like a purification of a gold process in you as the heat turns up, these impurities rise so he can skim it off to make you, not make you, but to, to allow you the opportunity to grow and develop and become a stronger leader, husband, yeah. father eventually. And and so I'm hearing these the bitterness, the the some of the toxicity. None of that existed, you know, like you didn't know it was there really right. in the comfort zone. That's right. But it was in the uncomfortable position where those things started to rise Ooh, and bubble up. Good, right? And then you began to go, okay, I'm recognizing things in me. Where did this come from? And you begin to work those things out, obviously. You know, with me in that season, what I what I have noticed uh in my life, and I think it's true, I think you look at the Bible, it would back all this up, but Isolation mm. is one of the biggest weapons that the enemy will use against you. And really yeah. the only remedy for that, it's in two parts. It's God. Yeah. Obviously, that just sounds so like, hey, that's just the, the answer. But God just doesn't do it through him. He also put people in our life. Yeah. And that's how these healing moments of truly being known and to know yeah. happen. And so what happened for me he would send Chris Hodges into yeah. my life. And here's how that happened. I was managing a Christian bookstore at the time. Yep. And so many people would come in and say, ooh, there's a new uh, yeah. church that we hear that's coming, and you should come check it out with now, us. No, by the way, this was pre-social media, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, pre-like the... Uh, word of mouth. Yeah, everything was word of mouth. So everything. this is how you found out. It was like, oh, this is happening, this is happening. You yeah. found through word of mouth, through invitation, mailers yeah. kind that's, of thing. It was, it was all about right? that. And then... Yeah. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, I humored him. And then one time, uh, Darren actually called me back and he mm-hmm. said, hey, listen, can I sing you something? And it was an invitation to like a steak dinner that oh. uh, PC was going to do. And can um, I time out for a yeah. second? It just all of that's important. But as I was mentioning it pre all of this, it was also pre before we had ever even heard of a new church starting. The only churches that I knew growing up that started fresh or new were from church splits. Yes. It was uh, something didn't happen or whatever. And uh, we'd always kind of joke around. You could tell the reason the church split by their name. Yeah. And I'm not witty enough to remember these, but it was like, you know. Tadamalita Assembly. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, there you go. You know (laughs) the reason they left that church because of some disgruntled, we'll just go start our own church. Yeah. And that was the only thing that I I could speak for myself. Yeah. Uh, A kid in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, 80s, 90s, it was just... The churches on our side of town were all churches that came from a church split, or and it was never it, it anything was. of like somebody new moving into town, got a love for Jesus, and just wanted to offer something, you know, just in a new, fresh, different way. Yes. To me, if I'm dialing that in, that's like what a new. Okay, what? Oh, that's great perspective because you know? that's normal language for us now. But you're right; it was yeah. different. It, it was <laughs> so different. I wasn't used to it. Yeah. And what was funny about that is we were going to go to the steak dinner that was like in December of 2000 and summer had a surprise trip to Nashville. 
Mm. We loved Nashville, and we would take these little weekend getaways. And I just went on and forgot all about this steak dinner. <laughs> okay. And so, honestly, I forgot about this. Did you church. stand them up? It was, I, I, yeah, I, I stood up. Maybe I don't know, forty people. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, oh, sorry. okay. Yeah. This was like at a house, like a group it, dinner. Matter of fact, it was at when it used to be Health South. Okay. At the Scrooge Center. Oh wow! Which, ironically, yeah. you know, a little bit of history that used to be a you know this major company. And now it's actually a property that we yeah. own. It's Highlands it houses College. Highlands College, yeah. which we are big advocates for. Which my wife works at. And That's right. And is an amazing, amazing college. It's and awesome. I'm an instructor for it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also uh, with them, which is so cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, just to now get to it, that was really the bed of what I had come from. But I finally get an invite, and it just came at the right time. And mm-hmm. I decided it's February 2001, this new church started. Somebody with just such a sweet spirit invited me, and there was something different about this one. Yeah, I said yes, and I came. And so when we end up getting there, I end up um, walking in with my guard up, just like I did at all these other churches that I told you I'd already yeah. visited. And so we get in there, yeah. and we end up. Um, I, I, it was in a auditorium, like a high school auditorium where they do plays and all that. Anything, you just picture your high school auditorium. And this guy was on piano leading worship, and he finishes that. He sends everybody to a meet and greet. He then comes around the piano and begins speaking. And all I know, the ingredients yeah. of being in these fixed churches, yeah. where I was already kind of judging, <laughs> you know, my spirit wasn't right. Mm. Here I am at this place that's setting up, and mm-hmm. they're trying to work through all kind of stuff. And I couldn't have been any more connected. I remember the look on Summer's face after the service because she had been so used to me saying, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and she looked at me because she loved it. She said, uh, what did you think? And I just remember looking <laughs> yeah. at her and I said, we found our home. That's awesome. And so there was such a sweet connection I had yeah. with PC. And I knew this is why we stepped out. Yeah, We just found where we're going to be this next season mm-hmm. Of life. Yeah. And so so to answer that first part, that's what got us into it. Gotcha. And so what happened, Red, is I ended up just getting that bug because mm-hmm. originally I thought we would have now taken it to the road and, and mm-hmm. had our band playing. We had the tour bus plans. Yeah, we we did. had all the deal of traveling and just something about here. I knew I wanted to be in Birmingham. I always thought I'd move out of this city. And I wanted to stay. And so, you know, fast forward a few years, I'm at UAB, yeah. got my music performance degree, and I go get a job at an insurance company because I don't want to leave town. I want to stay involved because at that time, mm-hmm. I began jumping in with our student pastor. We launched youth ministries in his basement, like 11 people. I would lead worship for it. So mm-hmm. here I am resuming some of this activity. I would go out to eat with PC and almost like at the beginning, fearing an agenda. Mm -hmm. And I always joke, our first time we hung out together, he said, you like basketball? I said, yeah. He said, let's go watch March Madness. And we went to go watch it, and I'm on guard, Rhett. So even though I love him, I'm still a bit on guard because of my past. Just pause here for a second. You went at its launch, right? And when they launched, how many people came? Yeah, at the launch, I mean, it was probably, you know, 400 and something, and then it moved backwards. And then 13 weeks in, you were like at what? What yeah, was the between I would say seventy to one hundred and twenty, somewhere. In so there. at seventy to one hundred and twenty, you fell in love with a, a church, oh, yeah. a community. Yes, you know. Give me like I'm curious. 
what what was the key ingredient? Because you're walking, you you're dealing with bitterness, dealing with toxicity. Yep. You know that you didn't realize was there. It was a bunch of uh uh-uh, uh no, I ain't doing that. Whatever. But like, what was outside of the God factor? Like, okay, yes, but that, what that's was always there? What was the key ingredient? And again, this yeah, this isn't about Highlands. This is about what God was doing in your life. This that is brought, my story. This is your story. But what was the key ingredient? That's like you know what? This is home. Yep. I mean, the Holy Spirit. I get it. But like there had to be something tangible that you could put your finger on and go, this is what it was. For me and the size, once again, very small. Yeah. And and by the way, it could have stayed small. And mm-hmm. I thought I was at Disney World. Yeah. It was the greatest place in the world to me because that's where God had assigned us. Yeah. And so it was it, the short answer, and then I'll elaborate, is it was PC. Because here was a leader who from the stage was actually talking about issues. Mm, And it it was one of the first times I had seen a pastor actually admitting like, hey, Mm -hmm. I got struggles just like anybody. And when he said that, I thought, I knew it. I knew I wasn't crazy. Yeah. It was okay to be feeling these feelings and just, you know, and that it was normal. Yeah. And it was so relieving. And so to have that Mm. and then him engage me and it wasn't that it was a pastor, it could have been any leader, but it just happened yeah. to be him. We were so small. And we went and ate wings one day. And by the way, he introduced me to Jamaican jerk wings. And oh, I've never had anything so since. Yeah. And I've probably been 80 times. Yeah. That's the only thing I get. Hey, but, speaking of wings really quick. Yeah. Like if you're in Birmingham, like to me, like the mm. wings are so good. Baumhauer wings the have best. always been amazing. Okay. And I'm not like, if you're Bomb Howards, I love you. It's awesome. This is a side conversation, just whatever. <laughs> I was disappointed. Oh, man. I was don't so say disappointed. That. I know. And I was like, we went right when they opened, whatever. But like, my, my son and I, we love wings and Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings is just where it's at. So if you like a little pause break from a, a deep story, I'm just like, Buffalo Wild Wings, come on. Where are you at? Give me some yeah. wings. Jamaican. I don't, I don't agree. I oh, agree they're good. Man, they're so good. But because of my experience, it yeah. happened to be Baumhauer's Wings. Well, so I get Alabama, it. So, Auburn. Yeah, another situation. Anyways. But yeah, so it, but Baumhauer's <laughs> Wings, there probably is an allegiance that I have because I go yeah, there. It's good. And I just, I'm just saying, I'm Buffalo st- Wild Wings has stepped up their game. I'm very proud. They're great. My yeah. boys actually love. Oh come on, your boy. Yeah, they, do. they love. They go. love Buffalo Wild so. Wings. But I always, when I go in, <laughs> I'll tell them the story, and they're like, "Yeah, we we've heard this story, Dad." Yeah. I always tell it. But it was that moment because yeah. I went from being on guard that the pastor was going to try to now get me involved because that's kind of what I was used to in my past, and he just kept asking me questions about me. And I got to be known. Like a genuine interest in what genuine. you're interested in. Bro, I mean, he didn't even talk about himself. He just wanted to know about me. And by the end of it, I'll never forget this. And you know what? I don't care if it's said to everybody. Yeah. It was my story in that moment. He said exactly what I needed. And he said, bro, I've never met anybody like you. Yeah. And I remember now getting upset with him that he didn't ask me to get involved. <laughs> it was like the other way. What a I'm beautiful like, leadership I was principle. Like, Man. Think about that for instance. Here is Chris Hodges, mm-hmm. who we call PC. Yeah. Pastor Chris, short. Um, man in Newtown, getting to know people, and genuinely starting. This is his heart. This is who he is. And he yep. he literally, he is just sitting down having a conversation with somebody, wanting to get to know you for you and add value to you. Absolutely. And I think, you know, oftentimes a lot of us, and I'm a, listen, I'm a church planner, I'm a pastor, 
you know, and a lot of times when we try to build things where we go at it with the agenda of, hey, what's in it for me? Like, how can this person be of use to me? Yeah. And while that's important, you know, yeah, to sure. an extent of needing to build something and looking for the right people, the intent is always for the person, their heart. Yeah. What a beautiful expression of going, hey, you know, I'm I'm interested in you, man. I want to learn what, what makes you tick and, you yeah. know, what you love and that's awesome. Well, it makes you want to be and, around him a lot more yeah, for sure. And then he was genuine, and he was like, yep. "I'm not." He didn't. He didn't ask, and he could have. That's right. And you know, he probably wanted to. Oh, but man, he sure. genuinely was just wanting to hear your heart and pastor you and get to know you and yeah. Well, he's build si- he's, he's sitting across the table yeah, thinking awesome. this amazing stud that I could be getting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. In your twenty-something-year-old self, or yeah, thinking, man, right. if he only knew how great and awesome I just wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, but <laughs> it, that was a great starting point. Yeah. And your your dead on ultimate leadership principle there. Mm-hmm. He got more done by not trying to do. Yeah. Like he just truly wanted to get to know me. And ever since that moment, we just had this closeness that allowed me to settle into this new church. And so from that, to kind of catch up more, yeah, uh, that's when, fast forward to what I said a while ago, I began leading worship for some of our student and college ministries, helping out one of our pastors who had then come on staff, really our first staff member. And that's all volunteer. Right? That's right. I found a job that would allow me to have flexibility. Working so I'm an working, insurance company. I'm, I'm full-time at an insurance company. Mm-hmm. I work hard, have good work ethic. And they gave me freedoms at certain times. I could come and hang out. And it was like, I'm not going anywhere. And so what ends up happening, our our worship pastor at the time, I just had such a heart for him and just said, hey, if there's anything, I just wanted to be a part of the church. If there's anything I can do, Mm -hmm. if it's acoustic, if it's sing, I, I don't, whatever it is, I just want to be a part. And so we began to grow that relationship and I would play acoustic guitar he would end up, uh, because of that trust, I guess, and, and you know, there was competency there, uh, we would plant our first campus, kind of like a seat filler, you know, an office complex we had. Okay. Uh, to As we were growing, we needed some space. And he would ask me if I would go help launch that. And this was a big deal because this was the first time, you know, there's some great churches that were mm-hmm. doing it, like Life Church. They were like probably the first, but... Um, where people would actually listen to the message on a video. Right. This was so foreign to us. And, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, like it wasn't even anything that he honestly thought was even going to work. No, it's not yeah. going to work. That's why <laughs> some of our key leaders yeah. will let them go to the office complex to free up some seats on a Sunday. Cause mm-hmm. we were, by this time, we were busting at the seams and you had yeah. like 3,000 people trying to cram in these three services. And the reason behind it was you said seat filler, which, you know, to, to clarify to that is there's a bunch of people who love Jesus already who are all in. That's right. And everybody's showing up at this one location yep. that is now three services at the high school. Yep. And your hope is to take these people who are all in, who love God, who are there to to offer them in a, a service to where they can give up their seats, if you will, right. to allow people who really need to hear the gospel of Jesus for the first time, those who are lost. Yes. You know, that's the phrase we use in Christianity, those who haven't come into a faith relationship with God through his son Jesus. Yes. To allow them an opportunity to be able to hear rather than go to something that's sold out and they can't get in, right? Let's right. create space. Yeah. And like, hey, if you're all in, you love Jesus. Like and, and by doing that, it all of a sudden it opened up another opportunity yep. for other lost people to go to this campus. <laughs> and there's like, and what a great, what a great challenge. And it was, you know, it was have. beautiful because mm-hmm. it was very selfless. So my congregation, if you will, yeah. were a bunch of our key leaders who didn't mm-hmm. really have a Sunday function. They were some of our 
major small group leaders, as we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in the inner workings of the church of helping people go through some of the stuff we're talking about, processing, uh, going through the struggles and helping overcome certain issues. Mm-hmm. They were coming and serving at this place or, or attending church here so that the seats were freed up. And so I was leading worship. I had a band. While there's also a live band at the main high school mm-hmm. where our, our main broadcasting was happening. Matter of fact, in those days, I mean, there was no broadcasting capabilities. Mm-mm. We like to call it motorcycle speed. Um, <laughs> the early service might finish, and we had a really good person on that motorcycle who could go fast. You had a police officer who came, who turned on his lights and ran. No, I'm kidding. That's, yeah, that's probably right. yeah. not what happened. <laughs> no, I'm just, that would have been great. No, yeah, it was no, probably that. it was probably illegal. They rushed it over to the office complex, and I remember leading wow. worship, and I had to wait until I saw the dude running in with his helmet, <laughs> you know, taking it off, that's and also awesome. getting the CD or yeah. or whatever uh, mechanism is going to play. Mm-hmm. The, the service. compact disc. Whatever it ended up being, or ate at, the different stuff, yeah. I'm on the stage, and once I see that, I knew that I would begin yeah. to wrap up mm-hmm. that portion. And Rhett, I was in heaven. Yeah. There was nothing greater in the world to me than working my insurance job, being married to Summer, and serving yeah. my church. And yes, it was growing at this moment, but I go back to... It was 70 people, and it could have Mm -hmm. stayed there, and I would have been the happiest guy in the world. But we were experiencing some cool stuff. And with that, we started having the community come to this office complex. It was no longer just a place where leaders were coming to like free up seats. Now the word's getting out, and people are coming Mm -hmm. to this place. So it becomes like a, what we called it, a temporary campus, because once our new building was going to be built Mm -hmm. in the next year or so, we would end that because we thought for sure that would house everybody in that would do just fine. So we started leading worship. We went to two services. Mm-hmm. I did end up coming on part-time staff. Yeah. yeah. And and to interject for a second, if I'm putting myself there and you've dialed in, or maybe you fast forwarded to this point on the podcast, Justin is pastoral care, pastor, Church of the Highlands, been there from the beginning. And we're talking about kind of what gives us the moral authority in, in to, to be able to speak about leadership and, and life and lessons. We're diving a little bit more about your journey in the right. process that's gotten you there. So my question is, obviously, we're dialing back to kind of the beginning of kind of some of the things you've gone through. And there are so many micro details we could jump into. But my question, was there ever an agenda of going, you know what, I want to be on staff here. Like, this is where I want to be. Like, I want to be on staff. What was that journey like? I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I'm happy I got this job and everything, whatever. Absolutely. And all of that. But like, was there ever a point, because before we got to this, you were dealing with some bitterness and, you know, different things. And then you found your home, the breath of fresh air. How did you find freedom and healing through some of those things to get you to the place where you're like, man, man, I love this place. Yeah. You know, because surely there had to be a little bit of like, oh my gosh, like if an opportunity presented itself, like, man, let's, yeah. you know, or, or maybe not. I don't know. Oh, so, no, your, your question's great because the first few years, it was just giddy to be a part. Yeah. There wasn't a desire to be on staff. It was almost like waiting that there might be that release moment of we'll probably still go hit the road at some point. And when you're referring to hit the road, we were musicians. Musicians, traveling with a band, doing that kind of work. I thought that was a ministry that I would be doing. Mm -hmm. And within this office complex, this first unofficial campus that I'm leading worship at, um, even that first year, it was still this. I love doing this, but I didn't think about staff. But I would say... Uh, probably the second year into that, something shifted. And it's like I walked in and all of a sudden I realized I don't want to be on the road anymore. I just want to be here. 
Like, this is something that I want. And I would say before that, it was very much the, I felt very experienced. I mm-hmm. felt very capable. Yeah. Um, I would say some pride is in that too. I'm just going in there owning it, not knowing I'm not supposed to do this. It's yeah. like I was just a go-getter. But what would end up happening after that, so I, it, it was beautiful too because it was a season of healing. The wounds, the bitterness, I mean, it was a it was such a great healing season. And I'm, I, I do, I attribute that, those early days to PC mm-hmm. and the people that began coming into our life. But what ends up happening after that is like peeling the onion, right? Yeah. I went from feeling capable now, all of a sudden, I wanted it so bad mm. that I started feeling like needy. Well, I went from being, yo, what's up, Mr. Confident, Yeah. to all of a sudden, I'm not as confident anymore. I'm, I'm wanting it so bad that it's almost feeling like a stripping away of things that I used to think I was good at. Because I'm wanting it so bad, I'm feeling a little bit less than, less capable. And so for is that something that you recognized in the moment or is that something now about reflecting and looking back on that you were like, oh, uh, this is what I was going through. Or were you like, or was it just purely frustration and you not being able to dive into knowing what that cause was in the moment? No, I didn't know what the cause was in the moment. I just knew I was faithful to come. But every time I came, Mm. you know, I, I joke about I would go to. You know, if we had a prayer service or we had something, I would kind of linger a little while. Okay. Almost like that lingering, like, maybe if I linger long enough, they'll be like, hey, you want to come on staff? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So so now I went from having just, imagine a kid playing in a field. Mm. There's nothing more beautiful than just the innocence. The wonder of it all. Expression. Just they're living with the wonder. It's the wonder. That's my big, that is what my ministry, I, I really... I consider it's it's about maintaining the wonder. Yeah. This was a season where that wonder that had always been, it's like it got sucked away. Mm. I went from the wonder to now I became so agenda-minded. Like, how do I get on staff? And what that meant was I would begin to analyze the people who are on staff or the places they came from. And, yeah. ooh, I've always led worship here, but ooh, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it this way. So I, this neediness led to, a, I didn't accept who I was. Mm-hmm. I needed to improve, which you got to improve yourself. Don't hear right. the wrong message here. Yeah. I began to look at it and say, ooh, I've got to become a little bit more what they are. And they, that's a relative term, guys. The they is how the enemy will mess with you. There's not really the they. It's yeah. something we create in our mind and we look at it and say, ooh, this is who I have to become. And it's where you trade the beautiful part of who you are. And what that meant for me, I became very agenda-minded, which means I would get up there and still be, it would be a picture of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But to accomplish it, I might be running over people to get it done. Not thinking about the people. I'm so yeah, passionate yeah, about God. Of course. I'm running. It's like I might leave a trail of people, mm. but I'm getting it done for the glory of God. And it's yeah. like it doesn't necessarily work that way. And and I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that's really good. So what I'm hearing you say, if I'm if uh, hopefully I'm processing correctly with you, is that at some point the innocence of it all, the wonder of it all, all of a sudden began to kind of turn and it it was just maybe you were hearing you know and of course I'm I'm speaking from the lens of perspective of walking with God there is God and then there's Satan and God is life and 
He's the author of life. He wants to see us blessed in, yep. in, in Satan, who is simply trying to destroy our life, our family, everything. So if he can't get us from serving God and being in the church, well, then he wants to try to manipulate us somehow, some way, maybe what we call foreign voices yep. or the voice in your mind that it, it's a deception. It's a lie yep. to try to get you maybe to become something that you're not in in an effort to try to, to be seen in a fresh way. Because what I'm hearing you say is I'm... Maybe some people are moving in from different parts of the country. They're, they, you know, they're coming on staff, and it's like, wait a minute, like what? Okay, and you're analyzing this, and you're looking at that, and you have a heart to be on staff, and now it's turned from a little bit of wonder to like, okay, what do? Not manipulation, but like, all right, what? I'm analyzing. I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm devising a plan of going. Okay, if A plus B equals C, then I need to do A plus B to equal C in my life to get yeah. me to a place to where. I'm doing things for God, and I love God, but I'm maybe doing it at a different level to where I'm seeing a little bit maybe differently in a, yeah. in a light, and maybe you're putting on some, we call it putting on Saul's armor, you yeah, know, I'm using right. some phrases that you've used in our friendship totally. of becoming somebody that maybe not necessarily that you're not, but that you're not, and you were never meant to do that. Right. You were never asked to do that. Nope. And the reason people loved you was for who you were, but you found yourself in a position of going, we, you know. Yep. And that's just what the enemy will do. It's sneaky. It is. He's, and you, he's you didn't deception. get there overnight. It's just one little thing, one little thing, one that's little right. thing. That's right. That's right. And then one day you wake up and realize, what have I become? It's almost like just as God has a process for our life and development to get closer to him, to become more like him, you know, the devil has a plan for our life and he's willing to play the long game as well with the process of little deception, little seat, little lie. Yeah. What What is he biting into? What kind of lies... You know, oh, okay. And then he's willing to play that, which to your verbiage of all of a sudden I'm in this play. I'm like, how did I get here? Right. And <laughs> and, and still the beauty of, of the, in the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. people and those, you know, kind of that two year span, three year span, whatever it was, people were still being led into worship. Yeah. Lives were being changed. Relationships were being developed. So there's still this beauty that's happening. But I know for a fact, I'm not being my truly unique, authentic self. And no one told me to shift that. It's me. And I could even feel it in my life. Like, I feel like I'm making more ground, but something is missing. And so God will give you these moments where I call them just awakening moments. And so for us in that season, December 2006, it's a key date for me. Uh, we been married since 2000. We decided to have kids and of course, it's not like you decide and get to have them right. not for everybody. With us, we went through the process and it, it was taking like, man, a year and a half, no results at all. All of a sudden we get pregnant. And I remember being so thrilled, just overwhelmed and the weight of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a dad. Yeah, And it's now the Christmas season. We are going to the mall. That's what we love anyway. We are mm-hmm. window shopping and your lives, if you haven't been there yet, your lives change when you find out you're having a baby because now yeah. everything looks cute and it's like, oh, <laughs> they're going to picture him in this or picture her in this because you don't yeah. know what you're having. We're just so happy. And at some point in, in December of 06, just before Christmas, we end up going through a miscarriage. I think that's something that I can get deeper into later But the reason I say that is it was a defining moment for us Mm. because me and Summer are very close. I mean, we have a wonderful marriage and there's ministry in that for both of us as well that Mm -hmm. we'll continue to do and we'll do at a greater level one day. It's just a grace gift on our life. So we, even through these tragic moments, we came together, but we would also have our own time to get away Mm -hmm. and pray and just meditate. And on one occasion, Rhett, 
I, I can't even remember the scripture I'm reading in December, uh, but it's after Christmas is over. You, you know, it's like there's no more decorations up. Mm-hmm. There's no lights going on outside to go look at some mm-hmm. neighbors. The stores are completely empty. Mm-hmm. It's getting dark at like 3.30 p.m. now, and it's drizzly. It's just a depressing atmosphere yeah. anyway, on top of what we went through. And I just remember it was that really dark kind of mode. I'm in my room reading something in the Bible, and I feel the Holy Spirit just in my heart. And I don't use that lightly when you hear me say that. Everything is I feel, because you don't know unless you know, but you still got to take the steps of faith. But here's what I feel in my spirit. Here's what it said to me. Justin, when's the last time you sat across the table from someone else to hear what they had to say? Mm. And that sounds so simple, right? Yeah. To the point, you know, when you think things up and you go ahead and try to debunk it, like, oh, well, just the other day, me and -and so-and-so. And I couldn't. I couldn't at all. I started realizing because of my brokenness, I had a humility factor that had been lacking for a little bit. And I could see and hear some things I hadn't been hearing. So here's what I honestly feel. Okay. God is always talking to us. Yep. My antennas were finally up receiving the message he had been saying all along. So I could have gotten this message sooner. Humility always wins. But I was broken in this moment, and I realized when you go through a tragedy, you realize what really matters. Yeah. In that moment, the only thing that mattered to me was my relationship with God, how is summer, my friends. I didn't give a flying flip yeah. about a stage. Yeah. A guitar leading worship to a congregation. Yeah. That no longer mattered mm-hmm. because I was broken and it surfaces the things that only matter. And I remember telling Summer about that and I realized I had been so agenda minded. And I told her, I said, 2007 is going to look a lot different. And with me, I just take things literal. I literally took the phrase <laughs> of when's the last time you sat across the table mm-hmm. and I started scheduling coffee hangouts with some friends. And these were some of these were pastors who I used to go book, yeah. have bookings with, yeah. but I was in such a go mode that I never just stopped to say, hey man, how are you doing by the way? And so I just slowed down. I'd go to Starbucks. I remember on one occasion, we're at three meetings, back to back to back. Like I planned it out so I could be effective. And here was the goal. Just listen. And I realized how much of a fixer I am because I'm having these conversations and I'm almost jumping in because they're talking about some kind of issue. I'm about to jump in and solve their problem, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm all I'm I'm awesome. That's right? what guys do. That's right. That's what leaders I'm do. about to solve their problem. <laughs> and as I'm about to talk, I just feel that voice in my heart say, just listen. Mm. Just hear. And I remember grabbing underneath the tables just to kind of get some of that nervous energy Interesting. out. Yeah. And I'm listening. Fast forward to the end of the third meeting. They Here's what I noticed. All three ended the same way. It ended by us standing up and hugging. And, and on the third one, I had this revelation because it was the same thing said. We gave each other a hug and they said, Justin, thank you so much for that wisdom. You don't know how much that helped me. And as I'm embracing them, I remember thinking, I didn't say anything because I wanted to say something. Yeah. And it was that revelation of the Lord just speaking to your heart again, saying, see how much I can do in your life if you will just be available and let me do what I do best. That's so good. I made more progress in three meetings without trying to do than I used to try to sit down and do. Yeah. I became more of a 
leader or a pastor figure as a as an insurance guy, medical adjuster, mm. in that moment than the days of trying to be, let me tell you what you can do better. <laughs> it was no difference than PC taking yeah. me to wings, yep. not trying to tell me what to do, and yet I hung on every word he said. That's exactly what I was thinking about here. And if you're a pastor, you're a leader, you're a business person, you, you know, father, mother, husband, wife, uh, uh, there's a lot to dial into that in, in, in regards to creating environments to listen. Mm. And not to respond, which, by the way, is very difficult for me, and I'm still learning it at 46. <laughs> yep. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Maybe one day we'll have her on this podcast. That's right. She can speak to that. But there's some, I, I just if you just sit there and pause for a moment in that, and you're thinking about where you are in life right now in the season that you're in, what I'm taking away, and by the way, I, I've never heard that story. That's like, that's cool. I love this about the, what we're doing in this environment with this podcast is because- I've never heard that specific of a story about you sitting down with really no agenda other than just wanting to lean in and listen and add value by listening mm-hmm. yeah, and not try to fix, but just be available. And what a beautiful yeah. picture of what God simply wants to do with us. He is a father and he wants to spend time with us and listen. Yeah, And God is speaking always, absolutely. And he has things to say, but oftentimes he just wants to hear us reach out to him. In yeah. any and every situation, yeah, good, bad, ugly, he is always open and available to listen, and no sin, no separation will ever keep him away from leaning in to somebody who has a heart that wants to connect with him. To me, that was the foundation of what allowed me to move into this next phase, mm-hmm. which is really probably the beginning of the answer to the original question on what have we been able to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So that early step was really, really awesome. Don't get me wrong. To be a part of our first mm-hmm. campus uh, with video that now you have thousands upon thousands of people who do this, it was fun to be one of the original test pilots. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, it's so much more fancy now. Those are sweet days. But 2007 will become the revelation. That's awesome. And it became another level of ministry and assignment for my life. Hey guys, that was part one of a part two interview with Justin. We're going to continue part two with Justin next episode. But until then, we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Armchair Authentic. We sure would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments or any questions that you might have, because we want to make sure that this is a great experience for you, our family, and our friends. In fact, we want you to feel like you are a part of this journey. And so you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at Armchair Authentic, or even on X, which was formerly known as Twitter, at Armchair Off Pod. That's at Armchair Off, A-U-T-H, Pod. And of course, you can email us anytime at info at armchairauthentic.com. 